a choice right now, right now, between fear and love. It's just a run. Out of the dark night of ignorance and into the shining light of truth. Expounding reality. A population of citizens capable of critical thinking. We don't see things as they are, we see them as we are. There's a, a level of reality where everything dissolves into an ocean of energy. We empower our experience by insisting on our authenticity. That's very profound. Very Expanding reality. This show right here. Welcome you to Expanding Reality. So grateful. Uh, author just uh, got a new really cool book coming out, which is amazing. We're going to talk about all of it. The Comeback Club, your incredible podcast, which you invited me on, which I am grateful for. And you are just a warrior, badass goddess of light. And I am grateful to share you with my audience. So if you don't mind, introduce yourself for those not uber familiar. I mean, that was like an incredible <laughs> opener. So thank you for that. I'm Nicole Eaton. I am the author of uh, Rock Your Soul and Rock Your Comeback, the Down to Earth Guide to Reclaiming Your Power, which is coming out the 22nd, but it's finally, finally, finally available for pre-order. Um, I'm the creator of the Comeback Club. It's an online membership space where we just work on rocking our comeback. And I'm an intuitive therapist. So I am a classically trained therapist who has worked on harnessing her intuition. Uh, and now I collaborate both worlds into one and do some really, really cool stuff with really cool people. Well, it's it's amazing to see what you've done because you and I um, have uh, met here through all of the be beautiful myriad of synchronicities available in this place. And my wife and I had actually shared your mantras. And this is a big thing for us to to get these wonderful mantras. I'm sure a few of yours are on sticky notes around here somewhere, but you can't see it as littered in the cleanest way possible with a bunch of mindful uh, practices. And you have been one of my guiding lights for this. My wife and I both. We have passed your videos around back and forth and just to watch you grow from where you've gone as an author and then just to be a part of my wife and I's life, honestly, behind the scenes. And then to be able to bring you out here and show all the folks out here all the amazing stuff that you're doing is just an honor, honestly. So what is your favorite go-to mantra of yours? Because this is what I think of is just like these amazing quips of insight from you. Um, I can't take credit for this one. This one's Abraham Hicks, but everything is always working out for me. I love go to everything is always working out, out for me. And I think the reason this one speaks to me more than any other one speaks to me is because it's a reminder that even when something's going perceivably wrong in my life that I can look at and be like, what is happening here? That it's part of it. It's part of what is making this eventually work out for me. And so I don't have to get worked up and I don't have to be distressed. I can just know that my intention has been set and this is part of it. So I can actually almost get excited about the thing that isn't seemingly working out for me because I know ultimately that's part of the plan to make it work out for me. Yes. It's this insight, though, going into things. This, this is this revolutionary maturity and this emotional maturity I feel that we're coming to here that you found uber naturally, it seems, through a bit of autodidacticness with some Abraham Hicks, who, God, I gravitate towards inexorably. Uh, the one I love is you're always manifesting from your moment of now. And this one hit me hard. It's like, hang on. So when I'm twisted and then I get over, I, can, I could see a past version of me accessing over analytics 
and saying, okay, well, if I'm always manifesting from my moment of now, how do I free myself from any sort of venting and pissed off anything and then just let it go without knowing that I'm going to see it in 30 days? Was it, how were you able to separate that idea? Because that's a frustrating challenge I feel that most of us come to in this game where we're sitting here saying, okay, I'm in this moment now, I'm creating for my moment now, but I need to get this out and vent. What's the consideration there in your mind? Oh, I let myself, I let myself vent. So I'll just create space to manifest. So I like to sit down in the morning. If I woke up a little like feeling funny or heavy, we've got all these retrogrades going on right now. It's definitely stirring up a lot for a lot of people. And we're in this space where we have all this emotion and I'm not a positivity bypasser, right? We don't do toxic positivity up in here. We can look at what it is. So I like to sit down in front of my computer, open a word document and just dump. I don't judge it. I don't think too much about it. I just take all of that energy and move it outside of me. And you can do that like talking out loud in the car. Those things are okay when we are when we are getting rid of emotion because if we don't get rid of it, it's still there and it's still messing with our vibrational frequency. So we have to put it somewhere and we have to give ourselves permission. We are humans on this plane and we have to give ourselves permission to be a human and being a human means that sometimes we come up against resistance of things we don't really like and that's okay. As long as we give ourselves permission to use it. Like last night, I was feeling a little off. I took an Epsom salt bath, did some meditations before bed um, and just moved all that energy out. I'm not going to be mad at myself about it. I'm not going to be hard on myself about it. I'm just going to take it for what it is in this moment. And then when I remember my power or I feel back in my power, then I can go manifest. Um, we were just talking about my friend, Jaron Kenyon, that that you've uh, connected with and we'll probably see him all over connecting with you. But one of the things that Jaron told me is that this moment is just a past manifestation. It's past thoughts, past actions and past, you know, it's past habits. So if this moment isn't what you like, that's fine because right now you get to decide what happens moving forward. You get to decide what you create moving forward. But sometimes that comes with dumping out the stuff that we don't need anymore in order to actually be able to do that. This idea of creating a space for it. I refer to it, uh, everything ties back to comics for me. It's super uh, nerd and very proud of it. The Love mirror it. dimension with uh, Dr. Strange, when there's basically a, mention, a dimension free of consequence where you can just do your thing. It's kind of a backwards world or whatever, but there's no interaction with the physical. And this mentality is what I've taken the same approach. You create a space for it. You have a Word document mirror dimension. You have an Epsom salt release process that you have with this. So you see it as energy in motion, emotion, right? And so you know that that's got to go somewhere. And it's beautiful when you put it the way that you do, because you can, I feel, and I definitely did for a while, get stuck in this idea that, oh no, I'm always manifesting from my moment of now. So I need to maintain ship shape, toxic positivity to a fault, like to a, to a definite fault where it was something to where you're sidestepping responsibility. You're doing these things. There's a and we're going to get into it here because I have it noted to delineate between these things like delusional and break down these sort of patterns with you because you're the one to do this with. And so to be able to take ourselves mentally to a space of it's okay to just vent and be in 3D and go all out, but you have a process with it, which enables it not, which is what, like I would say, I used to get access getting stuck in would be just getting stuck in, oh no, I'm creating from this place now. I can't feel because when I feel I'm sending this off and a month long version of me from now is going to have to deal with this shit. And so the process you just um, 
broke down for us is perfect. This idea of just get out of it, you know, for a minute, yell in your car or something like that. It's a safe place. I dig that. Yeah. I mean, you can't layer something good on something that feels really bad because that bad thing will still be there. And it's, and and I I hate to say it's good or bad. It it is what it is. It's a thought, it's emotions, a feeling it's, it's a message to you. But I think maybe the more important thing is, is the truth. And I think when it comes down to alignment and it comes down to manifesting, when you are being really honest with yourself that, Hey, I'm having these thoughts and there, it's good to know. It's good information to know that I'm having these thoughts. And here's my truth about the situation. And I don't have to judge it. And I don't have to think I'm bad because I have it. I just know that I have it so that I know what point I'm starting from so I can build upward. If we can kind of be an observer of our process, it's a lot easier. And that's challenging. Don't get me wrong. But if we can be an observer of our process, whenever we remember to, be an observer of a process, then we can start to make decisions about how we're doing things. And we can check and say, okay, is the thing I'm trying to override in alignment with me? Or is this heavier thing, the truth that I need to sit with and feel into and see what I need to know about it first? It's the, I mean, the superhero called discernment. I mean, this is like the training ground for this. This is your, you know, your dojo for your mental temple. This is where you get it all in line. So Let's talk about the inner monologue real quick, because I'm curious about this. So your inner monologue, is it your, do you have one, first of all? Yes. Okay. Is it your voice or someone else's that you can determine? Um, it is, you know, it's funny. Uh, so when we talk about like Claire's and just intuitive information, mine is always a knowing. I don't know. It's not a particular voice, I suppose. I do have an internal monologue. I know a lot of people don't, which blows my but yeah so mine's just kind of a an internal like deep-seated knowing um i used to when i first started off with spirituality i used to be like oh i have to call in my guides and i have to call in you know all these things and angels and whatever else and i think after a while i just learned to trust that inner soul and in me to the point where i don't feel the need to have that outside connection or communication I know and trust that I'm part of source energy and part of the universe and that those atoms, those cells live within me and all of that universal knowledge is accessible in me and through me. So I don't necessarily go outside of it or have it be any other voice than mine, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I like the, it's just, what what was that? You kind of, I can differentiate it from like my crazy ass thoughts that we all have, you know, those fear-based thoughts, those doubtful thoughts, Versus that really deep seated, higher self voice, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I, this is something I had you intuitively, you're here, of course. I, so what's the difference in the uh, voices that you hear as far as which one to listen to and which one you know is not yours or uh, how do you perceive it? And that's the other question I have is not a, not yours or how does it come in for you? Have you read the untethered soul? No, it's on the list. Gosh. Okay, best book of all time. But one of the things that he says, it's Michael Singer, he, one of the things he says in Untethered Soul is there's a voice that says hello and there's a voice that listens. So, oh, yeah, right. That's like that speaks volumes if you if you have that knowing, right? So the one that says hello is our active voice, the one that we're trying to think and we're trying to do and we're trying to create, and the one that listens is our authentic soul energy. 
So a couple things when it comes to a listening to your intuition, just like a soul level, right? Is if you are, I personally believe that most soul energy is, it's not fearful. It's not um, restrictive. It's not logical in a lot of ways. So the big thing being is that if you feel this intuitive energy and it feels really scary, and that's the first thing it feels, it's probably not intuitive energy. It's probably just your thoughts messing with you. If you uh, have a trail of thoughts, it's usually not intuitive energy. It's usually your brain working really hard. Um, Intuition and your soul speak to you more often when you're not trying to hear it. (laughs) It speaks to you when you're driving or doing or showering or doing something mundane and mindless. Um, It's one of those like aha moments or just a random thought that drops in that is usually an inspired action. Um, Sometimes people hear that intuitive voice and like a, like a third person of like, you know what to do here, you know, instead of I know what to do here. So it's very interesting when you start to like think about separating it and it can be tricky. But the biggest thing I think of intuition is I can't work to it. I have to let it come to me. Uh, and so when I start working too hard and I start to problem solve and I'm doing it all with my logic and my brain, I'm missing a better option. And so a lot of times I'll go clean or I'll go, uh, take a shower or I'll go just pick up my house or sage or something. And while I'm doing that, usually the answers come. So intuition will find you if you let it find you. And if you create space for it to find you, but when we're thinking too hard and we're on that other side of our brain, it's so much harder to hear. So that soul voice and that intuition are one and the same for me when I'm talking about it. And the minute we can drop ourselves into a different brain frequency by doing something that we don't have to think too hard to do, the more likely we're we're able to hear it. Yes. I've uh, not viewed it this way, but I participate in this, but I didn't know why. Uh, Before it would be like, let's say I'm here surrounded by electronics and stuff in the studio, love all this stuff. Every now I'll get to something or so I'll just feel it. I just go outside, dude, and I'll just go outside and I walk around or if I get stuck on something, air quotes, then I just get to a dead end to where my awareness at the moment at the vibration I'm in can get me to. And so I will then go, like you said, raise the vibe, do something different. I'll take most my uh, go to is walks outside. We have this beautiful place. It's I got to go get feet in feet and dirt is what I always say. Uh, and so I just uh, go out there and do that. And then it is a remarkable wash away of the, because what I hear out there, it's so funny as you say this, Nicole, I'm walking through this, like in my process now sitting here thinking, yes, I will ask myself something in a question format and then I will know a response, but then I'll hear a response that I think is another option, but it's in a, it's phrased differently. And so that's not the thing that we're talking about here. Do you think that this is where multiple personalities come in or do you think it's a completely different deal to where you can be pulled in multiple directions to where and that's why I asked if it was your own voice I mean some folks they'll hear different voices these uh, because it's then to the extreme side of multiple personalities like um, Serena Faith Masterson had her on holy shit you've got to talk to this woman she's over 302 personalities grew up in a satanic cult like absolutely MK Ultra, um, incredibly heart-wrenching story One thing she talks about is some of her personalities don't take to anesthesia. And so they'll just wake up in the middle of a surgical procedure. It's like, what the fuck is that going on? Is this the same thing with different personalities that you're inhabiting? Or do you think that it can be boiled down to maybe one or two, an intuitive voice, and then just the rest? 
Um, I cannot speak on multiple personalities because that is something that still, I have a hypothesis, which I'll share with you, but again, it's solely that like just, just the thought and observation. Um, I don't think it is multiple. I think there's pieces of us. Uh, I think that there's the part that listens and the part that speaks, but I don't think in terms of completely separate identities, that that's something that I would refer to as intuition. What I do wonder as somebody who is dealt with both the mental health side and the intuitive side, I feel like when there's trauma at a young age, that sometimes uh, we do this thing called dissociating when there's trauma and that in a spiritual way is us leaving our body. Okay. So our spirit leaving our body. So a lot of times people with trauma will actually describe being above it and almost like watching it happen rather than it, them being in their body and physically happening. I think when we have too much trauma and we're out of our body for a long time, I do wonder, and this is again, just a wonder if other entities find permission to enter and become. So whether that's real, true or not, that's just a thought that I've had as somebody who's looked at all angles of that. But I think that as a part of that dissociation, the more we leave our body, the more it gives space for other entities, other energies to utilize yes it is such an interesting concept to think that number one we can leave this body and then whenever you think about that in association with trauma which yeah you'd want that uh you'd want to be able to hop out for a minute escape the physical trauma and just get a break like anything but in that time just as you can air quotes escape or leave your body something else may be able to inhabit it that seems like sort of a interesting design i don't know if i would call it a flaw but it, it seems like an interesting design aspect to these vehicles, to these avatars, to this experience, whatever this is. And personally for me to you, speculate wildly, darling, nobody's going to say, well, Nicole said on this one show, people know what show you're on. This is the show that we do all of that stuff. So this audience is very about Alzheimer's as well. With Alzheimer's as well. That's interesting. Yeah. My grandmother did this. Um, uh, pop back in, they'll be totally with it. And then it's like when the sun goes down, something shifts. They call it sundowners a lot of times. Yes. yes. It's just like their eyes are different. They'll be speaking differently. Like their mannerisms are different. So I always wonder if Alzheimer's is just people also temporarily leaving their body and coming back in and then leaving, coming back in. You, uh, again, I, I, my grandmother um, left this place with that. And so I, I experienced a lot of that. Um, and so in that, you, you, uh, you, we, you have different ways of coping with something so serious because I was like 25 years old, like um, I, up here taking care of my grandmother by myself, all this stuff, no fucking clue what I was doing, needed to get power of attorney and all of these kinds of things. So then you just sort of get a little... Um, and the nurses are in, engulfed in this as well. So you get a, a sense of humor about it. And one of the, you know, I mean, it's like they say, you know, the best part about dementia is you meet new people every day. And yeah. what's interesting about that is, is now to what you're saying and taking it in the context of the things that we've been looking at here, it probably makes the most sense out of anything because you could see this, you could see, yeah, that's Gma, And there, there she was. Now she never forgot me. She never forgot my mom, but there were times where she would ask about things and it was this absolute absence and this really interesting obsessiveness of physical things at the end, but then seemingly no need for them whatsoever. Like this real attachment, detachment, like over attachment, over detachment. And so it's interesting when you say this, 
because wow i mean and you think about too if like you're in a situation where like you're gonna die like you know you are like your plane's going down you would think i don't know i mean hopefully built into the mechanism you could just punch out right before the thing or if it gets too right. emotionally stressful that you could just vacate and maybe that's what occurs in the same way that trauma does in younger years the same way that your body and faculties failing in olders would reveal that opportunity in alzheimer's as well wow it's just an interesting perspective yeah it's, it's just interesting because um so in reading energy and reading energy i obviously am able to pick up uh, a lot of times people who have crossed over um so one of the things when I would do more traditional uh, readings, I did more traditional readings for a little while um, before I figured out how I wanted to merge them. But I that's how somebody with Alzheimer's would present as though they were past. Wow. So I think they kind of venture between worlds, which is a lot of times why they start seeing people who have already crossed over. Um, so yeah, that's again, just speculation, but I I really feel like it's, it's a really interesting perspective, especially with multiple personality disorder. And like, again, not educated to speak on that, but if I had to, that would be my speculation is that there's just different entities kind of coming and going out of that space. Yeah. Serena, who can speak on this would adore your interpretation of this. Uh, mm -hmm. Absolutely adore it. Yeah. It's, um, it's just such an interesting place. And so when you're talking about that, you energetically interface with folks with Alzheimer's or dementia, that they're already sort of gone. This is this interesting ideal that people can basically die and not know that they're dead yet, you know, walk around as ghosts. Have you contacted or communed with any spirits like that in, in your, or personalities like that, however you phrase them, that just don't know that they're gone? Uh, it's interesting one to me. Like, how could you not know you're dead? You know, kind of a thing. Again, I, I'm kind of like, um, it's like people who have somebody with dementia or Alzheimer's, not the al dementia Alzheimer's patient themselves. Oh, okay. So sure. Like a family member who's concerned coming, you know, concerned about their family member who has the, that I'm able to pick them up with their family members though they're already crossed over. Oh, wow. So it's people who have dementia, the families have already basically written them out of their mind as if they're already gone. Well, or their spirits just accessible popping around that it's more easy to pull as though they're not attached to anybody. Wow. That's a more that's interesting. Sense, but yeah, like if, if, if your grandma had, uh, you know, dementia, Alzheimer's and you came to me, I would probably be able to pull her. If she, you know, when she was still alive, uh, I would probably be able to pull her as though she wasn't. Wow. How it's just, it's just not physical energy. You know, it's just non-physical energy and it's, um, you know, souls are souls and it just some, some souls, when you're thinking about people who are with it and like you and I, uh, you can feel that weight down with it and with people who are crossed, it's just lighter, it's easier. But I think when we look at people with dementia Alzheimer's, we're like, oh my God, they're suffering so much, but I think ultimately we're suffering more watching it and having to, you know, interface with, with that than they are, because I think all, I think they just venture between, between worlds a little bit. And I think they get to pop in when they feel called and go, go do whatever in the meantime, I really do something is something is uh, energetically, um, something is energetically up with that whole thing. Yeah. Fascinating. It, in uh, Dr. Michael Newton's book, uh, Journey of Souls, have you ever read that? 
Yeah. God, you would love it. It's uh, basically uh, several different cases of he does hypnotic regression to discover these lives between lives. And it seems based on what you're saying here and that work as well, I'm seeing sort of a bookending of energetic flexibility at the very beginning and very end, let's say, air quotes from this perspective of this journey, life, whatever this is. In that book, he details a few accounts of folks saying that whenever they were in their body, they could just leave it as a kid, like as a toddler, because you don't need to be there the whole time. Like basically you're just kind of get stuff going. You, you go back to bond, but really it's loose. You can take breaks and fly out. And so in the same way, I think that there at the end, what you're talking about here is it's nice. It's sort of, again, this flexibility, you come in sort of in the body, out of the body, and then you go out with these little trips about it. If do you feel that that's exclusive for folks that go out that way with the mental faculties that take a long time to go? Or do you feel that there's something that even with instantaneous or what we would call accidental death or something like that, that there's any sort of intuitive? I mean, unfortunately, I don't know anybody we could ask, right? Hey, yeah. before you die two weeks before. Uh, people who have had like near-death experiences can, you know, speak on that clearly and very interesting things, very similar things that happen. I think we actually have the power to leave our body whenever we, whenever we really want. And I don't mean that in like a death way. I mean that in like a astral projecting and you can really do a lot with meditation. You can go back into your, you know, childhood bedroom and soothe your self energetically. And there's so many people like just having worked with people on this level energetically, but both in a mental health way, there's so many people who can recall feeling in moments they were really scared, comforted, um, and have ha now had gone to places where they're doing meditations, where they're going back and soothing their childhood self. And they can recall in those moments feeling comforted. So we talk about like timelines and stuff like that as well, but are we able to go heal ourselves at a younger age now by technically leaving our body, going to a different time and space energetically? And soothing that. I mean, this stuff is all like, again, very fascinating to me and I don't claim to be the expert on it, but just having had the experience with mental health and energy, there's so much that crosses paths with what they're trying to do a lot now in psychology. Um, they're starting to do parts work. We're starting to talk to different parts of ourselves as a psychological mechanism of healing, but we're also on an energetic plane saying, well, why can't I go back to me when I was five years old and in that awful situation and, and take care of me and bring me, you know, uh, bring little me with me or say the things that needed to be said. Like we can heal a lot through our past energetically by like meditatively leaving our body or envisioning it in our head or going into that energetic space. We're really, really powerful. Like we have, we just don't, ex you know, intentionally tap into our power in the ways that we could to heal ourselves, to heal our minds, to heal our bodies, uh, to connect with the universe. Like all of this stuff is so accessible. It's just knowing about it and healing through it. It's the simplicity and the confidence in which you bring these things to light that is so comforting. This is, this is the thing, you know, because it doesn't have to be complicated. You don't have to do a whole lot of stuff. It's, it doesn't, it's not necessarily easy, but it's simple you know, in a lot of regards, which is nice. And again, you're, you're confident, you radiate this ability for us just to go, yeah, yeah, well, we can see it like that. And we can feel it like that as well. Um, I just think that this place like you has so many amazing mysteries to offer and so many incredibly cool things here. So let's, let's run down that vein real quick. What do you think is one of the most interesting mysteries here or something that you're looking forward to maybe solving, maybe not, I don't know, just something you find interesting. 
One of the things that's on my heart to eventually understand in a deeper way is actually um, toxic relationships and domestically violent relationships. That energetic addiction that occurs between people who are going back to a situation that they know and have full awareness that's really bad. That's something that I worked with domestic violence victims. I worked in a shelter for a long time. I have a family member who was really caught up in some really horrific, horrific things. And so there is just something in me that will resolve this energetically before I leave this planet <laughs> um, to understand how do we create autonomy and, and disconnect from that so that we're not energetically sucked into things that feel addictive and awful. And I think addiction is addiction, but I think this vampire type relationship with that that's extremely fascinating to me and i will go forever down that uh, little track until i until i have some sort of understanding of that in a better way yeah i think that's a beautiful mission and and one could maybe just surmise from the outside that you know social pressures we have um uh, the pressures put on men for whatever reasons they're put on men and we have pressures put on women for whatever reasons those are and then we have the pressures to divide that home and to make sure that they know that they're separated from the official narrative. And then you have your children as well, which are being indoctrinated and separated and pieced out and the families are smaller. I feel this has a lot to do, lack of community, lack of um, refuge. I don't know how much domestic violence um, was occurring in you know smaller clans of folks where they really had good reinforcement. I don't, I can't speak to any of that, but I would think that the isolation aspect of it from any regard from the male, for whatever reason that's happening for family trauma, we, you know, you as a, a Therapist, you can see that at the root of everything is probably trauma or there's hurt people hurt people, right? And so I think that with your work, what this, what you're tackling here is not only what, what a lot of folks are doing and you have been doing on an individual level is now it's a step back and it's saying, okay, well, let's look at this from a, from a larger point of view because all of the things that we're talking about can be pointed down any of those roads. But the light that you're shining on that is going to absolutely get to you to the core of this. I feel this as being something that you make a lot of headway on because of how passionate you are. But I also just feel it because you don't take no for an answer with shit. So like if you want yes. it, you're going to get it anyway. Yeah. yeah. I actually talk, I, I touch a little bit on, um, on toxic relationships in my upcoming book, Rock Your Comeback, because a lot of people are trying to, you know, find themselves again after relationships, whether it's toxic or not. And one of the things that I realized through, like Joe Dispenza does a lot of work on this, um, but one of the things I've realized that in any kind of healing from anything, whether it's an addiction, whether it's just healing from a situation that you've lost or a, a loss in job or whatever it is, that bringing your energy back to yourself, like refocusing, disconnecting, we are way too fucking connected. If, we're being, <laughs> if I'm being honest, like, I love social media because I get to meet awesome people like you, but I also think that we are so reliant on constant external connection that we're missing the internal connection that's helping us to create new things for ourselves, strengthen our internal reserves, and really be a full expression of ourselves. I think when we get to, Joe Dispenza kind of describes it as like spider webs coming out, going to everything, everyone, everywhere, all the time. And that when we can start to bring that energy back, tune into our bodies, tune into our truths, get in alignment with ourselves, listen to our intuition and those inspired actions, that it kind of starts cutting those webs around us where we're not being pulled by the energy over here and over here, that we're actually our own person and we're our, 
our own creator and we get to, you know, decide for ourselves something better. But that's where we really harness and access our power is when we come back within. And it's not saying connection is wrong. Connection is so vital and important. But the constant connection and the type of connection and the need to be like accessible at all times, I think it's draining our energy and I think it's making us less of what what we can be and who we need to be because we're just plugging in the second we wake up in the morning all the way until we go to bed. This social media detox, this idea, I have no notifications turned on on any of my social media, anything. My phone's on silent. I haven't heard it ring in a very long time. And so I'm the same way with this. It's your moment. It's be with the people you're with. Like my phone's off right now. I don't care if anybody's calling. It doesn't matter. Nicole and I are hanging out talking. This is the only thing that exists in the world is this moment. And it's reverence for that. And I love what you said about the spider web shooting out because, yeah, it feels like this um, age of information is really just an age of disinformation with a ton of stuff going on and a ton of places to pull you and directions to yank you in. And that is, like you said, a little web you shoot out. And there goes a little stream of your power and there goes a little stream of your power. And just this process of internalizing, regrouping, that's the putting your mask on. This is the King Eats first model. This is the your shit to everybody else unless you take care of yourself kind of a thing. And this regrouping then pulls all those tethers back and whatever is not for you dies. It suffers and dies and it moves on to something else in an energetic way, of course, not in a like your mom's going to die if you don't call her, but call your mom. So uh, scary versus motivating, that internal dialogue. I'm very uh, curious about delineating these voices. So something that tells you, hey, you should do this. And there's a thing in you that goes, ooh, that's scary. Uh, But then there's something else that goes, ooh, that's exciting. Maybe I should do that. How do you tell the difference between something not for you and something motivating you in a discomfort-oriented sort of a capacity? My first feeling on it won't be that it's scary. It will just be that it is. Um, so that's paying attention to that present moment nudge. If your if your first feeling is just that, oh, I should call so and so, and then after you start saying, well, if I call so and so, then I then I'll feel really, you know, whatever, and maybe they will say no, and maybe I will get rejected, and maybe I shouldn't do that. Fear is like secondary, like to our intuition anyway. Like when we're talking about it, separating the two, it's separate. So. It's that intuition and especially inspired action isn't scary when it happens. It's when we start thinking about how that will actually go and start getting our logic super involved in it that we start to get worried. If it's straight up fear and it comes from fear and it's initially fear, it's probably not your intuition. But you can always create space for your intuition. You can create space to plug into your intuition um, one of my favorite ways to do this, and I, I don't know if you've actually seen the, um, the TikTok I have on this one, but there's uh, something called cognitive dissonance and creating cognitive dissonance in our body. So we can do this little activity where you can pick something that you really love. So maybe that's your, your spouse or your kids or your animals or just a place that you really love. And when you think about it, you really love it. And you can kind of just tell yourself over and over again, like, oh my gosh, I really love that. I really love that. And you can tune into your body and you can say, Oh, like, okay, when I really love something, when something's really true and aligned to me, it feels really light. It feels really easy. It feels really good in my body. It feels really good in my bones. Um, and I can kind of go through and notice, like I even just, my shoulders are a little bit relaxed the more I say it. And you just pay attention to what your body does when something's right for you. Now, if we go back through, and this is an awful thing to make me 
or to have you do, but I'm going to say that same thing. I want you to say you hate it. And I want you to say that a couple of times. And I want you to feel into your body when something is not true. So my stomach always twists, my heart sinks. Some people get like a tight jaw or they feel their shoulders pick up. When you say you're hating something that you actually love, it's a lie. And so we can start to pay attention because our bodies are always speaking to us. They are always telling us the truth, even when we try to override it. So if we can get into the habit of paying attention to what our body is doing when we're saying certain things, then we can also start to tell like, oh, okay, is that a truth or a lie? I really don't believe our intuition ever gives us fear firsthand. I just don't. That's never been my experience. That's never been anybody I've taught intuition with their experience. So I don't think intuition ever speaks with fear first. There's even times where I've been in really awful scenarios. It's just a knowing. It's just a, this is what you need to do next. I got caught in a riot in Charleston, South Carolina. I was out with some friends and we look outside and they're throwing tear gas and people are busting in the windows of the restaurant we're sitting in and they end up having everybody run out the back and I'm just like, I know I need to go to this man's car and ask him to give us a ride over the bridge so that we can just get out of that. Didn't stop to think about what he, you know, is he nice? Is he going to kidnap me? Like nothing. It was just like, this is what we're doing now. So our intuition, if we pay attention to it in a deep seated way and we get familiar with it and we get to know it and we get to play with it and we get to understand it and in how it speaks in our bodies we can start to understand that usually fear comes second and intuition speaks first. And it's okay to feel afraid of the inspired actions. But if it's inspired action, it's probably best if we take it because that's usually the next right step. And the next right step is usually something that's leading you to ultimately where you want to go. So those inspired actions are important, but more often than not, the fear is secondary to the initial action. And your body will be telling you the entire time when it's happening, when I had that direction, like we're running out the kitchen of this restaurant because people just busted bricks into the, you know, restaurant place. Like it was just that I have to get in that man's car, you know? So there is direction and uh, inspiration without emotion. Most of the time with intuition, it doesn't have to have an emotion. Our emotions are what we decide it means afterward there was um a couple I'm, I'm remembering one instance now where this occurred with me you, you're just incredible nicole uh there we had a go a couple of goats out here they were raised in this room actually we bottle fed them their mom said no thank you and so we took them in we bottle fed them as they grew up before they were ready to go out to the field to be with everybody else they were still sort of in this in-between phase they were like the size of small dogs at this point their horns started growing in now, one of our dogs that we had at the time, so they were raised around, we had five dogs at the time and a cat and two goats in the house. And so, you know, our house is full of love and animals all the time. And uh, so one of the dogs one time reacted, had just a quick reaction and bit one of the goats, but it ripped its horn off. And so it pulled this baby goat's horn off. Now, immediately, why freaks out? There was this calm that came over me. There was this, you know, uh, dog. And then I understood all of these things happening at once. And I just walked right over, picked the boy up, held him and then it was calm wife down. So everybody was calm. It was this moment and I just knew what to do. 
and nothing bad happened after that. The bully completely recovered, grew the horn back, by the way, twice the speed as the other, as if it never left. And it was totally fine. But it was this moment of just like, holy shit, and we're invested in these little, you know, these boys that we're raising, we're bottle feeding these things, so our heart's really in this thing. And to see one get injured, you could go, holy shit, and just lose it, right? And that's sort of an option, and I've been there as well. But there was that moment, and it was just this serene calm. And I don't have any of reference to come back to, but I'm sure there have been many more. But it's an awesome exercise to really remember that that is, a, that is an option afforded to you and that the freak out and the spasms and things like that, those are, you know, program motivated, but they're inspired by your fear. And so they'll play on that, not the intuition part of first. They go, yeah, everything's going to be okay, but oh my God, what if we... And that is where the sensationalism happens. This is where stories go. This is where movies go. This is how many times have we been sitting there going, don't go outside. And if they wouldn't have gone outside, the movie would have been shit and nothing would have happened and whatever. But there's an intuitive process that we know that what comes next, and then that builds this fear. And so we see this as well in, in our lives, but what an awesome way to calibrate it. Because I've heard of these NLP um, uh, muscle tests and things like that, to where you'll put your arm out and then you say something true and then uh, your arm will be strong as a rock. And then you say something not true and it'll be really weak. So these little body um, indicators that that you're given with this is just a really cool built-in feature of this place. I, I like it. I, I think it's so interesting because, again, our body and our, our intuition is trying to direct us. But it also trusts us. It also trusts us to make the best choice. So it's not going to overpower us unless we're in real big danger, unless we really shouldn't go that direction. You know, it's not going to overpower us. So we just have to remember to invite it in and open our energy up to it. And I think that's the cool part is one of the things I talk about in my book is that I used to use intuition and I used to use my connection with the universe in a desperate way. And like, I'm in trouble. This needs to get fixed right now or I'm not going to be okay. And now I've learned to invite it into everything I'm doing. I invite my intuition in and I invite the universe in. I did that before I jumped on here today. Show me what needs to be talked about. Show me what needs to be said. Um, I'm open to relaying whatever message will help shift and shape people's minds in a positive way. I set the intention to invite the universe into everything I'm doing because it makes me a better, more effective version of me. Perfectly said. Like, how could you add to that? Like, that's just, it, it's something Mark Gover gave me a while back as well. And so I do this too. Um, whenever I sit down, honestly, <clears throat> excuse me, for anything, I will sit there and say, okay, you know, for a phone call, for a meeting, for definitely an interaction like this, where I know other folks are going to be enjoying the material as well. And it's, it's one of these, just get with you, push things aside. I know you and I do this as well. I uh, ask the guests to take advantage of this and you did as, as well with me here. And we just, Get a moment to where we just let everything go and just be here together. And it brings such less muck in, you know, it gets the flow going and it just brings everything out right. And so I agree with you. This is something I've been practicing as well. So it's also cool to hear, even if we're not sharing it openly consistently, <clears throat> excuse me, that, um, that you're doing this as well and hearing other folks uh, taking advantage of this type of opportunity. So your Epsom salt baths, there are a lot of um, methods in which folks can just decompress. Do you find that this also physically removes like toxins and things from you, or is this just energetic or are you doing a little utilitarianism and just getting it all knocked out at once? How, what do Epsom salt baths serve for you? Energetic. Uh, I'm, I, I'm sure they do physical too, but for me, it's like, if I need to clear my energy and especially if I feel heavy on my car or heavy on my 
uh, solar plexus, or if I just feel like heaviness on my body, it's perfect for me to jump right in. I also believe that anything you do works if you believe it works. So it doesn't, I like to make it easy. I don't like to work that hard. I like things to be easy. I like things to be fun. I like things to be quick. Um, and so I set those intentions that things are easy, fun, and quick, that everything is easier than I thought it could be. And it's more fun than I thought it was going to be. And it's just, it's always more fun and more easy. And so if I'm clearing my energy. I used to believe I would have to do this like long meditation that would have to be a certain way. And I'd have to sit a certain way. And it's just bullshit. Like the end of the day, you get to tune into what you feel most impacts you. And if that's an Epsom salt, cool. If that's a meditation, cool. If that's something else, like going for a run, that's cool too. So it's, it's up to you to start to discern and listen to your body of like, Ooh, this feels really, really good when I do it. I want to do that. I want to set the intention that it works even better than I thought it was going to work. I'm going to set the intention that my, my results from this are just tenfold. I'm going to set the intention that this just feels so stinking good while I'm doing it. You get to decide what works and your belief in it working or not working is what makes it work. So might as well, you know, you know, again, it's easy. It's it's simple. It's not easy is how I will put that. Or, I mean, maybe it is easy, right? Because you can get to things and just decide. When I quit drinking after 20 years, it just stops. There was no withdrawals. There was no thought about it. I was just like, I'm done with that now. It's over. And so in that way, it was very easy and simple. But to a lot of folks, they hear what you're saying, and then they look at the manifestations they've created for themselves. And they say, okay, well, how can I, where's my goal and gap here? How do I clear this distance from where I'm at now with feeling overwhelmed, with feeling stagnant, with all of those things to get to where Nicole is, where things are quick, fun, and easy all the times. And it flows out of your mouth. Like I, I know you utilize this. I see we're watching you grow here. And so to watch you and the things that you're doing are what everybody's interested in because it's working, it's successful. And so how do folks close that gap from where they may feel stagnant and stuck and whatever to get to where they're sitting there confident, author of two books, crushing it at life like you are, or in any capacity, energetically a match for that. I'm going to tell you that I, this is why I wrote what I wrote. Rock your comeback, the down earth guide to reclaim your power is to me. It's a letter, open letter to me, uh, 10 years ago. It's the version of me who had severe postpartum depression, who was on WIC checks because I could barely keep the lights on and feed my kids. I got pregnant when I was, you know, just a couple of weeks after turning 20 years old and, and things were really challenging and really hard. But if you have a curiosity, if you're open to be willing to believe things can get better for you, I absolutely believe they can rock your comeback is every step that anybody that would resonate with it will need to move forward, whether it's just you want to know a little bit more about getting back to the basics. How important is a good night's sleep? How important is shifting uh, your water intake? How important is just eating a little bit better? So it depends on where in your comeback process you are. And it's okay no matter where you are, because I do believe that even in the darkest of black hole moments that you're able to get out of that. And it might just be making one tiny little promise to yourself and keeping it. It might be just saying, okay, tonight I'm going to get a good night's sleep and I'm going to get a good night's sleep. I'm going to listen to Jason Stevenson hypnosis. I'm not even going to do anything. I'm just going to listen to it while I fall asleep. I'm just going to let it reprogram me a little bit. I'm going to you know, be open to believe, to believe that tomorrow I'm going to feel just a little bit better. 
you have to have an openness because when you have a closeness of this is it, but nothing's ever going to get better. I'm not willing to do anything different. I'm too whatever to do anything different. I'm too old. I'm too whatever. It's a willingness to be open. Curiosity is where things start to spark for you. If you go through and read that book, you'll see my story wasn't overnight. So I'm not going to sit here and be like, can you change your life overnight? Yes. Is it going to feel like that? No, probably not. You're probably going to feel the the challenge of having to shift out of the energy you're in, which again, can start with a simple shift in drinking more water. If that's the only thing you do today, you're killing it. You're nailing it. You have to promise to yourself. If you just want to start putting your feet on the ground or viewing sunlight in the morning, just going to sit outside to, uh, you know, when you let your dog out, just hang out there a few minutes longer, little things that we can do to make it easier. And then we can start to shift into that space where we just pay attention. We just pay attention. Ooh, I'm having a lot of bad thoughts about today. I don't really love having bad thoughts about today. What's something I'm going to do right now that can make that feel a little bit different? Okay, so I'm just going to put on a song that feels really inspiring. And that's it. That's all I have to do. And maybe I'm just going to listen to uh, Brandon's podcast because he's so full of good information and wisdom. And so that's what I'm going to do. And when we start to just be willing to invite in a little bit of a different energy, a little bit of a different perspective, when we get in trouble is when we are not willing to see anything from a different perspective. And you can pray for that. You can invite the universe in to help you with that. You can say, please help me see this from a new perspective. I'm open and willing and ready to be guided. I say that all the time, especially when I'm feeling stubborn about something, because no matter how long you do this work, it's not that I still don't have hard days. It's that I don't stay there. Yes. That's the power. When I was in like the pits of my depression, if I felt that coming on, I knew it was going to be three months. I just knew it. I knew that if I started to feel sad, I wasn't going to be able to bring myself out of it for a fucking long time. Now it's like, okay, I'm having a bad afternoon. What am I going to do tonight to alleviate the momentum of the negative energy that I'm in? What is one small thing I can do tonight? What is, okay, I'm going to do an Epsom salt bath because that's all I got tonight. Or I'm going to do a meditation because that's all I got tonight. And I'm not even ready to manifest. I don't even want to think different thoughts. I'm not even in the mood to fucking think different thoughts. So maybe tomorrow I'll do this manifestation and maybe I'll be ready or meditation. And maybe tomorrow I'll be open to manifesting something different. It's just giving yourself permission to meet yourself where you're at, but having a willingness to be open that things can shift. And that's like where your real power comes in is any small thing you're willing to do for yourself, any small intention you're willing to set to try to play around with it. It doesn't have to be like when I'm saying it doesn't have to be hard. It's because we sell ourselves the story that healing is hard and is healing is long. And is it, can it be? Sure. Can it be easy? Can things happen overnight? Can somebody's life change for the better in five seconds flat? Like someone knocks on your door and hands you a check for a million dollars. Like there are possibilities where things happen so quickly and so instantaneously. So it's the openness of being willing to decide that things can shift and be different and that you're willing to see things from a new perspective. And then I'll give you all the tools. I'll give you all the tools for intuition. I'll give you all the tools for how to change your mind and why it matters because you know, just to dive into that for a quick second, if that's okay. Please, the please. brain is a Google search bar. So whether you believe in energy and intuition, you probably do if you're listening to this. But if you don't, let's say you don't, at a base neuroscience level, 
your brain is looking for whatever you tell it to. And it has to. And the reason it has to is because there's so much information and stimuli coming in at all seconds of the day that it has to discern what's most important. And it does that through what you believe. And what you believe is only a process of what you keep thinking. So if you've thought something long enough, you have a belief, that is your belief, that is what is filtering the information in your surrounding environment so that it can say, yes, you're right, I'll look for this. So if our brain is only listening to what we tell it and looking for externally and internally in our memories, what we tell it, then when we start to shift and open and start to tell it something new, it will also loyally look for that. But we have to tell ourselves things and new things that we're willing to believe, which is why I keep saying open and willing to believe. I've said it on repeat because that's the most important thing. It's not that you have to go from thinking, oh, I'm super in debt and broke to, oh, I make $2 million a year. Is what are you, are you open and willing to believe you can make a little bit more? Are you open and willing to believe that maybe $500 more in your life? Are you open? Like you can play with your set points. And I talk about this in the book of like, what are you actually willing to believe? Because if something's too far-fetched, your brain is going to kick it as BS. And you're going to be like, manifestation doesn't work. Nope. <laughs> you know, it's that we try to go too far away from our baseline and too far away from where we're at. And our brain can't handle that. So we have to work with it a little bit. It's, it's lot. Sorry. <laughs> no, get out of here with that S word. No, you don't. It, it doesn't belong in here. And especially after that, my God, you've nailed it with this. Google's a search bar. Your, your mind's a Google search bar. Uh, openly, willingly believing. This is a big one because yes, it's, it, it depends on what you find is true for you. Like you could say, oh, I want a million dollars. But then you look at like the people who win $400 million or something in the lottery and then go broke the next year. And it's like they weren't an energetic match to hold that. And so you are an energetic match to hold what you're willing to believe is true for you. And so this is where we find perhaps a lot of examples in our reality that can say, oh, well, I believe bad things are right around the corner. And so therefore, guess what's around the corner? Or I don't believe that I'm worthy of that. You know, so a lot of this is worthiness. A lot of this is all of its program because we come in these beautiful balls of light into this amazing environment that says, hey, everything's this way. And then I feel the ride is, is coming to conversations like this with folks like you at times like this in amazing periods where the, things are opening up to this, but from the juxtaposed position of, hey, this is what it used to be, but there's a mystery that we're unraveling here. There are things to discover here. And it's through the empowerment concepts that you're talking about, about just freeing yourself from the nonsense and doing it easily. This this thing's come to me easily and effortlessly as the most written, it's the oldest sticky note up here. It's in a color I don't even have anymore. And so that is one that I've uh, absolutely been doing a lot of mental uh, preparation for the embodiment of. And I really feel that it took me saying it that way to really get there, just to even say things come to me easily and effortlessly. I've been in uh, now streaming ideas for friends of mine, a friend of mine, um, writing a book right now we talked about a couple of things i had this amazing idea to make it easy because it was it could be overcomplicated, right and i was like hey what if you did this and he goes holy shit it's this this whole thing so these these lens of ease into the experience is where we're at now with this and so i'm so grateful again that you said this but the clarity over how we introduce ease is to know and have the awareness that there's stuff going on up there that affects everything that you do. And so just to be mindful of that, how it operates. I've got my thought ninja. I think we talked about this and it's just get those thought spirals out of there. When you said three months, my goodness, I knew that too. Whenever I would hit a new moon, let's say new moons were used to be mine. That was my, uh, 
what did I call it? My menstruation. That was my time of the month. That was it. I'm just going to be a douche for about three days and that's it. I didn't know why I didn't understand it. And I still don't. I just disobliged it as a reality. And now it's not a thing. And it's interesting though, to get to these points of overcomplication, but then to realize that really simplification is the way to go. So it's sort of like to uncomplicate the mess. It gets more complicated and then simplifies its ass off in the right direction with all the blocks falling into place. I want to ask you before we let you go here about NPCs or non-playable characters. What do you think of that as part of this reality? Do you think that it's something that exists? And uh, please feel free to have fun with this. No one's going to consider you an asshole or anything. I, I'm not sure what an NPC is. So, so oh, NPC, non-playable character, meaning that we're in a simulation and then a bunch of people out here aren't real. So that there's basically like a population of, I don't know, let's say 90% or so that just seem to go along with the narrative and follow along with everything and not moved at all that aliens are now a thing, which I find interesting. Uh, and that uh, there's a whole population of folks out here that are not directly playing this game, as it were. What are your thoughts on that? That's so interesting. Okay, so I saw a TikTok the other day and this guy was like, I'm in this place called Bluff, Utah, and I've never been more convinced I'm in a simulation. Did you see that one? I, I posted it on Instagram, but I saw it on TikTok. Yes. yes. Yeah. So he was like talking about how he had gone to several different places. And, and every time he like encountered somebody, they'd be like, oh, sorry, it's my first day. Every single one of them said that. I think it's very possible. I mean, I think about, I think when I describe intuition, I actually describe it as like the Sims. Okay. Yeah. Like when you're communicating even with uh, other energies or people who have crossed over, why do they come to me or why do they come to somebody else who is really in tune? Um, it's because we've got a big blue light overhead of like, Hey, we're listening <laughs> and they're, you know, so um, I think it's absolutely very possible that we're in some kind of simulate simulation. And I also believe that, you know, nobody has the final say in what this is or isn't. Um, I know a lot of people feel really confident and being like, well, this is what it is. And this is how it is. I will never be one of those people because I think there's so much that my brain can't even possibly fathom. I have been really deep into timelines though, and very big into quantum jumping lately. That's been my thing. So if there are NPCs and that is a thing, then there's no reason that we can't, um, you know, quantum jump and, and skip timelines if everything is moldable and flexible. It actually gets me a little excited because, you know, like if that, if that's possible, then anything's possible. And if anything's possible, then I can take everything I want and know. Um, and especially if I'm having a really bad day, I'm like, I got to get off this timeline. Like, that's my first thought is like, I don't know what this timeline is, but I'm going to do everything in my power today to shift out of it. So you know, just in terms of, uh, yeah, I think it's totally possible, but I also think that just gives way for further excitement of what else is possible. And I think it's very possible that if you're having a bad experience that you get to shift timelines. I think when I moved to, to South Carolina, I shifted timelines. Yeah. Yeah. Well, abundantly. It was like every manifestation I had had up into that point just came pouring in. And I really think even when I go back to New York now, I'm like, God, it's heavy here. Like the energy is so heavy. I feel kind of just off and sad when I'm there, even like 
Pennsylvania and up, I start to feel that way. Um, and I think when I moved here, it was just a lighter energy. And I think the lighter energy allowed my energy to shift up and match. So all the things I had been manifesting when I got here, it was like, Whoa. I mean, I just, just make so much more money than I've ever made in my entire life. And I feel money as an energy and not, not an exchange. Like it just feels like it will just continue to come. Like, and I just feel that. And I have such a great relationship energetically with it, but up in New York, I mean, like I said, I was on, I was on with checks. I was, I was fighting for my life, trying to try and keep the lights on and, you know, having little kids and daycare and all of this stuff. And it was like the minute I moved here, it was like, we're done that part of your life is done. And I swear, I just shifted up timelines. I shifted up timelines and in different ways with relationships with my kids, with all the stuff. I just feel like um, sometimes geographically, I think that can help shift timelines. I think that the people you're around can help you shift timelines. There've been times where I've gone to conferences. I'm like, I'm on cloud nine and everything's happening at once. And it's really awesome. And then I go home and I'm like, okay, I gotta go back. (laughs) I gotta catch that high again. But like, yeah, I think there's possibility to just do small things to shift timelines um, and to find a better energy. And sure, I think that the NPCs can help and be in our favor doing that. Like if we're the main characters, shit, we get some really awesome opportunities, you know? I love the way you put this. I'm just going to uh, behind the curtain here. I anthropomorphize that you would find it uncomfortable to talk about because a lot of people do. And so you actually took and ran with it. So I gave you a coloring book and colored it in for you, but you said, no, 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 that's not my coloring book. And you took it such a tremendous way. That's outstanding because a lot of people, and this is just me putting my experiences on this conversation, inviting you as the host live on air here, uh, we're going to do this. And then asking you uh, to do something that I've invited other folks to do that at some level they feel uncomfortable talking about because they feel like it, emotionally is challenging to say that there are people out here that aren't real. And so therefore they feel that it's sort of like a shot or that they don't um, feel that it's, they're worthy to entertain the possibility that it's something because they're so emotionally invested in the fact that there's people everywhere. And then maybe that's part of the game, which is something I've suggested. Maybe that's part of the game is so that you don't feel alone, but also they're there to challenge you to say, Hey, an NPC in this world is going to challenge you and motivate you in a certain way to move. And then when you do move, all of your stuff's going to come in, but it takes these non-playable non like you interface with them, but they they don't have a storyline of their own. Let's say their storyline is to make sure you move your storyline along. And it seems like we're surrounded by these things constantly. And uh, to to a way to where also, if you look around, I don't notice many light workers in Millsap, Texas. Like my wife and I are pretty isolated out here. You're probably around a community and maybe move to one where maybe you have a little bit more of that. But in retrospect, per capita, there's a lot more people out here that are not interested in unity consciousness and they're very scared it seems like so this program running around you that builds you into the character you are and it's just a fascinating perspective about it but again i want to thank you on your approach to it i have a i have a theory though right now please yes what if the npcs are just people operating on lower timelines lower time. so so they're just on a different energetic timeline where there's yes awareness, less expectation, less uh, motivation, less whatever. So if if we're thinking about energetic timelines and the better the energy, the higher the timeline, what if they're not emotionless or empty or whatever? They're just operating on a lower level. 
Yes. And this is I've referred to as um, how actual spirits here are people who are learning in these avatars, perhaps. I view this place in the context of what you're saying as a grade, like a school, but all grade levels interact at the same in the same realm together. So you'll have a kindergartner running around with a senior, right? But oh. we know as a senior that the kindergarten doesn't understand spiritual hierarchy and, and these kind of things. So we don't even, it does, it like the kindergartners don't even wander down to the high schooler side of the school, right? But even though everyone can interact with each other, you just pass each other right by. It's as, as though you're invisible. You, uh, I've noticed this with, um, you know, especially when anyone can notice this, when they feel like, oh, I've lost friends. It's like, no, no, no. You vibrationally yeeted yourself out of that to a way better timeline to where you, those friends of yours, air quotes, were just building you up to get you the fuck off of that so that you could see that there's a way better timeline for you, a preferable timeline. Let's just put it that way. Because I feel that any of these things are fine. Like you can do whatever the hell you want. If you want to just drink your whole life away, fine, do that. It's yeah. it's your ride, you know, and you're going to be an anchor point for somebody else's ascension. And you're anchoring that energy for them. It's just how I see this beautifully complex symphony of a game that we're playing here. So I love what you said about that, um, that it, it does feel like different, um, let's say reading levels spiritually, you know, um, emotional maturity wise. Wow, you're cool as shit to talk to. Um, I, we're going to wrap it up here on the NPC stuff, but I do want to invite you to let everybody know about your books and how to contact you and anything new that you've got coming up that you'd like to shout from the mountaintops here. Yes. Um, thank you for creating this space. This has been such a fun conversation. Uh, you can connect with me. I actually have my book, Rocker Comeback, available for pre-order right now. It's going to be all out August 22nd. And again, it just takes you through every facet of healing. So if you like the mind stuff, the manifestation stuff, the intuition stuff, or you're just trying to get back to the basics and get your footing, there's something in it for you. And it can kind of grow with you too. I really think that's true about that as well. I've also um, opened up an online membership. So something important to me was that uh, I was, you know, super broke for a very long time. And if I would have had, you know, I looked at all these coaching programs, I just simply couldn't afford. So I created a membership space that's $22 a month. You can come for one month and binge everything if you want and leave. That's fine too. But I have every course, every program I've ever created in there. And I do a new one every single month to add to it. Um, and I also have a monthly or a weekly journal prompts. We do a live Q and a once a month where we all get together and hang out. I usually jump in on Fridays for a live just as like a weekly check-in. But again, that's something. Oh, you can pull that right up. Perfect. Yeah. So you can uh, join and hang out with us. It's a really fun community of great people. Um, and again, if you have any interest in the content that I put out, I put out a new podcast every Wednesday called on rock your comeback, but yeah, NicoleEaton.com, NicoleEaton.xo on TikTok and um, Instagram. But I would love to connect with you. And if, if you have any questions about this podcast and you want to reach out to me, I answer my DMs. <laughs> so if you want to reach out to me, sometimes it takes me a day to see the like hidden messages, ones that are in the different folders. But just shoot me a question. I love talking to people and connecting with people. And um, yeah, so this was, this was amazing. This was so much fun. Outstanding. Well, you're invited back anytime, of course. And we're going to do some more group hangs and things like that. I think we have you coming up on the Conscious Awakening Network, which we're very excited about. So thank you so much. You're just absolutely incredible. All the ways, of course, to find you located down in the show notes. Guys, explore her further. Just a true treasure being with you for now. So thank you. Thank you.
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.